Well, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Today is uh, week two in our Christmas message series. And uh, if you were with us last weekend, you will remember uh, that I am teaching uh, with inspiration from from Charles Dickens' classic novel, A Christmas Carol. And uh, if you weren't with us, I hope you'll check out the podcast. We had a great service last night. Ta- last night. It was a week ago. Uh, <laughs> last Sunday, we had a great service. And uh, many of you shared with me how uh, you did have a lot of ghosts from the past that were really attempting to keep you in their grip and in their chains. And uh, so if you missed last week, I hope that you'll listen to the podcast and get caught up. Uh, But today, uh, we're going to be talking about the ghost of Christmas present and uh, how that can affect us in our lives this Christmas and really throughout the year. Uh, Last week, I was sharing a little bit about Charles Dickens and uh, A Christmas Carol and, and the fact that A Christmas Carol was written in early 19th century England. And I shared with you how Dickens was very concerned with social change and wasn't necessarily writing a Christmas carol to turn people to Jesus. And I had some people that are uh, Dickens experts way more than I am that uh, didn't really uh, agree with some of the things that I shared. I didn't mean to say that Charles Dickens was not a Christian. He was very clearly was a, a believer in Jesus and a follower in Jesus. But especially with this book and many of his other writings, he was very concerned with many of the social injustices that he saw all around him in in England. And so I I don't mean to suggest that Charles Dickens was not a believer, uh, but his agenda was a little bit different than than mine. Uh, He was trying to address the great problems of British society of his time uh, today and last week and next week. I want us to come to Jesus and experience Jesus in all of the fullness that he can bring to our lives. And so it's not that Russ Michaels and Charles Dickens are at odds. Uh, We just have a little bit of a different perspective. And besides that, he's dead. So, oh well. Um, So I shared with you... I shared with you last week that uh, there were many adaptations, film adaptations of A Christmas Carol, and we uh, took a look last week at a little snippet from the 1984 movie and uh, and The Ghost of Christmas Past. Uh, This week, we're going to focus on The Ghost of Christmas Present, and uh, we're going to pick up the scene on video in just a second. Uh, What you're going to see here is Ebenezer Scrooge as the ghost of Christmas present has taken him around the city, and he's been listening in on conversations with different people. The ghost has a a purpose for doing this. Uh, This ghost wants Scrooge to understand and hear what people think of him and how they perceive him in all of his Scrooginess and unkindness and grouchiness and stinginess. And and so the ghost is taking him around. And and just prior to the scene, we're going to see uh, Scrooge has been listening in as his nephew is mocking him in a a big, uh, opulent, party and they're they're using Scrooge as the as the butt of jokes and now you're going to see Scrooge and the ghost of Christmas present looking in on Bob Cratchit's house Bob Cratchit if you remember uh, was Scrooge's employee that he doesn't pay very well they're very very poor and uh, Bob Cratchit and his family are enjoying Christmas dinner and so you'll see a little bit of this scene and in this adaptation that you're going to be seeing uh, Bob Cratchit is being played by Kermit the Frog and Mrs. Cratchit by Miss Piggy. All right, so enjoy this. Oh, 
Tis the season to be jolly and joyous. Fa-la-la, with a burst of pleasure we feel a ride. Fa-la-la, it's a season when the saints can employ us. Fa-la-la, to spread the news about peace and to keep love alive. Come on, son. Let's go see if Christmas dinner is ready yet. Oh, yeah. Yes. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, girls. Merry Christmas, Peter. Merry Christmas. Children, children, children. Now it's time to set the table. Go ahead. Wait for me. Merry Christmas, Emily. Oh, Merry Christmas. Crutchy. Emmy. Oh, Peter, the Christmas dinner. The goose. The goose. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no. Now, son, son. Now, now you've gotten too excited. You go sit in your chair a moment. Okay, rest, rest a moment. How was he at church? Oh, as good as gold and better. He told me that he hoped the people saw him in church because it might be pleasant for them to remember upon Christmas Day. Who made lame beggars walk and blind men see? A remarkable child. And with that, the Cratchits came to what was surely the happiest single moment in all the live-long year. Such a meager feast. But very much appreciated. I paid Bob such a small amount. Mr. Scrooge. Bob. Bob Cratchit. It only seems right that I should lift a glass to my employer. I give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed. <laughs> if I had him here, I would give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I bet he would choke on it. Hmm. Choke. choke! My dear, the, the children, Christmas Day. Oh, uh, well, well, well I, I suppose that on the blessed day of Christmas, one must drink to the health of uh, Mr. Scrooge, mm -hmm. even though he is odious, mm -hmm. stingy, mm -hmm. wicked, mm -hmm. and unfeeling, mm -hmm. and badly dressed. <gasps> to and the founder of the feast, Mr. Mm -hmm. Scrooge. Mm -hmm. uh, to Mr. Scrooge, you'll be very merry and happy this day, I have no doubt. No, no doubt. doubt. Mm. Cheers. God bless us. Everyone. Imagine being able to look in on conversations that people are making about you and what they really think about you. Uh, you would be slapped in the face with truth, wouldn't you? I, I mean, I don't think any of us really want to have that experience, but uh, this is what was happening to Scrooge under the direction of the ghosts of Christmas present. And, and I chose this scene to show you because uh, this scene illustrates something that I think we all need to think about a little bit. In this scene, Ebenezer Scrooge represents, really, the spirit of, of, of scarcity, He's a person who has everything that he needs and more, and yet he's always hanging on to it and, and hoarding it, refusing to share. Even He doesn't even have a, a generous, joyful attitude. It's always grouchy, crabby, mean, angry. And here's little Bob Cratchit, Cratchit played by, by Kermit the Frog, who's got a generous spirit. He doesn't have much, but what he has, he'll share. He's willing to bless uh, and, and toast Ebenezer Scrooge, his boss, on Christmas Day, even though his family is embittered against him. The difference between abundance and scarcity. Years ago, my wife and I 
heard a business uh, executive, uh, a man who was the CEO of Yahoo Incorporated, give a speech about abundance and scarcity. And he was talking primarily to business leaders and saying that when you are in business, if you live in a spirit of abundance, you will get more coming back to you. But if you live in a spirit of scarcity, you're not going to be blessed very much. He's not even a Christian man as far as I know, but he's latched onto a Christian principle that what you sow, you will reap. That if you give more away, the Bible tells us that if you give more away, you will be blessed to be even more generous. I talked about this a few months ago. And, and after Chris and I heard this, this speech that this guy gave, we decided that we were going to try to live in a spirit and an attitude of abundance all the time as much as we could regardless of our situation. So uh, every once in a while, that spirit is tested, and one of those tests came yesterday. Uh, my family had been here on Friday night to celebrate my birthday, and we had a great time, and they messed up the house and stuff. And so uh, Saturday morning, Chris and I were cleaning everything up and putting stuff back together because uh, we had uh, a staff and elders get together at our house last night. And so we wanted everything to be nice, and we're busy cleaning up the house. We haven't showered. We look and smell terrible, and we're working around the house. And the doorbell rings. Wouldn't you know it? You know, just when you're just kind of marinating in your own stink, the doorbell always rings, right? And the doorbell rings, and it was our next-door neighbor, and they were going door-to-door door collecting food for the food bank. And they had put those bags on, on our doors before, and in the process of cleaning, I had just grabbed that bag. I thought it was junk, and I'd thrown it away. And they came, and they wanted a donation. And Chris answered the door, and she muttered something about we gave it the office or something like that and closed the door. And as soon as she closed the door, you know, Chris and I looked at each other, and we're like, we don't live in scarcity, we, we can always share, you know, and so we're thinking, what can we give? And, and uh, we don't have a, a lot of food in our pantry right now. We just haven't been shopping, and we're, we don't have a lot of stuff laying around. And Chris said, I can just write a check. I'll just write a check. So she went to find her checkbook to write a check, and by the time we got outside, we couldn't see that family. They were going door to door, but they were just gone. So we hopped in the car. We're driving around the neighborhood. We can't find them. But we just want to be disciplined to always live in a spirit of abundance instead of a, a spirit of scarcity. Scarcity says, I don't have enough. I can't share. I can't be joyful. I can't invest in a person that might take too much of my time. That's what scarcity says. But abundance says, I always have more than enough. One of the things we say around our house is it's just money. Whenever we get into trouble and, and we don't quite have enough money, Chris will always say to me, Russ, it's just money. We'll make more. And, you know, for most of us, that's true. We might run out from time to time, but there will always be more at some point. That's the spirit of abundance. And this morning, I want to ask you, as we think about this spirit of Christian Christmas present, are you a Scrooge or are you a Bob Cratchit? Do you live in scarcity like Scrooge or do you live in abundance like Bob Cratchit? Are you stingy or are you generous? Are you grouchy or are you joyful? Last week I told you I wasn't in the Christmas mood. I've changed. I am joyful and triumphant this week. Are you self-centered or are you other-centered? It's the difference between Scrooge and Bob Cratchit. 
And I believe that all of us, if we are following Jesus, we ought to be people who live in abundance and live joyfully and triumphantly all year long, regardless of our circumstances. Now, I want to share some scripture with you that will support that idea. And so if you've got your Bibles this morning, you can follow along with me. I'm going to read part of the Christmas story this morning from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And... Uh, if you've ever heard the Christmas story, this will sound very familiar to you, but I want to focus in on one little aspect of this Christmas story uh, this morning. If you're following along in your Bible or on your smartphone, Luke chapter 2, I want to start reading at verse 8. Here's what we read. The night that Jesus was born, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, the Bible says, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Can you imagine what these little shepherds, in the middle of their ho-humdrum night, guarding the sheep and probably fighting off sleep, all of a sudden there's this blazing light, shepherds, uh, angels in the sky, blazing light. And it says they were terrified, the shepherds were, but the angel reassured them. And this is what I want you to hear, what the angel said. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. Don't be afraid. That's kind of scroogey, right? But be joyful. Bob Cratchity. That's what the angel said. Those were his words, Scrooge and Bob Crashley. Verse 11 says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born to you today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, it says, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those who with whom God is pleased. I think I missed the main point earlier, didn't I? I saw you guys writing, and I was wondering what you were writing. They took it off too soon. Okay, here's the main point I want you to get. If you're taking notes this morning on your note cards, I want you to get this. Uh, Jesus came to give us abundant life. Not scarcity, but Jesus came to give us abundant life. That's when I was talking about all that abundance and scarcity, and then I got ahead of myself. So then uh, we talk about the angels coming to the shepherds. Did you get that? Did we give you enough time now to get that down? The angels came to the shepherds and they said, don't be afraid, I bring you joy. This is the next thing on your outline if you're taking notes. Uh, Scrooge keeps us in fear. That's what I want you to know this morning. Scrooge, Scrooge attitudes, Scrooge practices, Scrooge uh, behaviors keep us in fear, but Jesus keeps us in joy. How many of you have found that to be true? Jesus keeps us in joy. When we're hanging on to everything we have, when we don't understand that we can be generous with our love, that we have to hang on to bitterness and anger and resentment against somebody that's hurt us, it keeps us in fear because that person might hurt us again. When we live in abundance and understand we can freely forgive, we can freely love, we can take a risk, it gives us joy. You can apply this to any area of your life that you want to. Scrooge keeps us in fear, but Jesus keeps us in joy. Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said this, The thief comes only to steal and kill 
and destroy. Who's the thief? The devil or Satan. Jesus is talking about the enemy of our souls. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's fear, right? It's scroogey attitudes. It's scroogey temptations. It's bah humbug at Christmas time. It's fear. It's scarcity. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now I was thinking about this verse this week and I was thinking about that word abundant. Abundant. And I I was thinking, how can I get people to understand what abundance is? Okay? What is abundance? Here's some ideas that I have to share with you. If you live in Montana and you've ever gone driving out in the country at harvest time, this is what abundance looks like, right? That's abundance. If you live in Holland, this is what abundance looks like, right? Okay. If you're a snow skier and you love to ski, this is what abundance looks like. If you live in the Middle East and you've got a dune buggy, this is what abundance looks like. If you love the North Shore in Hawaii, this is what abundance looks like. If you live in Italy, this is what abundance looks like. Or it might look like this. Is that Spain? Sorry. I'm an American. Mess up Dickens, I mess up geography, whatever. It's all abundance, right? My wife this morning, she's got earrings on that they're abundance of sparkly beautifulness. Abundance in earrings. Um, on, on a cold winter's night, this blanket is abundance. I love this. This was a gift from a good friend of mine, and I like nothing more than to wrap up in this blanket. It's my favorite one. And When Chris and I are sitting watching stupid TV, this is what I wrap around me. In the summer, it's too hot to to wrap up in a blanket. And sometimes I complain about winter, but I love this. This is abundant warmth, right? It's just good stuff, abundance, okay? If you live in the Amazon, abundance might look like this. And if you're around a a, a wildlife refuge, abundance looks like this. If If you're an animal lover, abundance looks like this. And if you're a crazy cat lady, abundance looks like this. (coughs) And of course, this is abundance too. Chris loves Bath and Body Works. Any of you shop at Bath and Body Works? This is her favorite fragrance. It's called Tuberose. And uh, she's got a stash of this stuff. So I grabbed one out of the cupboard. That smells like abundance. It's just yummy. You can pass that around. Just, you just, you got to smell it. Isn't that good? Pass it around. That's abundance. And uh, if you need something more manly, this smells like abundance manhood. That, yeah, that's, that's good. Pass that around. That's, that's abundance, right? If you're a scuba diver, you've probably seen something like this, and it's abundance, those huge schools of fish, and if you stay on top of the water, abundance looks like this, and uh, if if you're a bodybuilder, if you're a manly man, abundance looks like this, right? 
And for some of you ladies, you wish abundance for you looks like this. And uh, of course, this is abundance too. <laughs> and at Christmas time, at Christmas time, I love, I love the abundance of Christmas lights. Do you love that? And uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but uh, the lights that we put on our houses and our trees at Christmas time, the reason that tradition started is because lights represent the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And, and some of the Christmas trees I love the most at Christmas time is like that Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center. Have you seen that one? And I swear they put a light on every single needle of the tree, you know? It's just outrageous. It's abundance. And it's, it's the light that, it, it represents Jesus. And, and Jesus said this. Now, now hear me. Jesus said this. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Okay? Are you, are you getting a sense of what abundance is? And Jesus didn't say he came to give you a lot of stuff or abundant stuff. He wants you to have gobs and gobs and lots of what? Life. He wants you to have life and lots of it. Another translation of that verse, John 10.10, says this. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's what Jesus came to do for you, is to give you a rich and satisfying life. You can write this down if you're taking notes this morning. Jesus came to make your life rich and satisfying. That's what he meant when he said he wants to give you abundant life. Now, if that's true, think with me for a moment. If that's true... Why aren't more of us rich and satisfied? Many of you have come to Connect Church and you have been hurt in the past by other churches. And, uh, and my purpose is, isn't to trash other churches, but uh, I've been in, in churches just like many of you have where everybody in the church is just crabby and mean and, and bitter, Right? And Jesus said he came to give us abundant life. He came to give us life that is rich and satisfying. And I want to ask you today, if that is true, and we call ourselves followers of Jesus, why aren't more of us rich and satisfied in our lives? I think the key is found in another story we find in the Gospels in Luke chapter 10. And if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can turn there with me. I want to read this from Luke chapter 10. Starting at verse 38, we read this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they were traveling, clearly. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. And the next verse says that her sister Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She was probably cooking turkey and dressing and cranberry sauce and mashed potatoes and all that kind of stuff because the Lord was here, right? This was a big day. She was going to make the best meal she could. And here's her sister Mary just sitting on the floor chatting, right? And so 
Uh, It says, Martha came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, Martha wasn't just concerned about the meal, but she was also very deeply steeped in the culture of the day. In Jesus' day, women didn't learn. They were moms and housekeepers, and they had domestic duties, but they weren't learners. Their schooling was very minimal, and, and they certainly wouldn't sit with a rabbi and listen while a rabbi was teaching. That was the office of men. And Martha was not happy that not only was Mary not helping her do the woman's work, but also she was sitting there flying in the face of of custom of the day, and she was listening to a rabbi teach. It was just wrong. And Martha said to Jesus, doesn't it seem unfair to you? Tell her to come and help me. And this is what Jesus said. He said, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details But there is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it. Mary has discovered it, and it won't be taken away from her. And I believe that what Jesus was saying in this story and in in talking to Martha was this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. A rich and satisfying life, this abundant life that I'm talking about this morning, isn't found in stuff. It's not found in food and clothing and houses and money. It's not about the stuff. A rich and satisfying life is found in life lived in the presence of Jesus. And Mary had keyed in on that while Martha was completely missing it. A rich and satisfying life, if you want it, is found when we just live in the presence of Jesus and we learn how to do that and we put all the other cares away and we just sit in the presence of Jesus. Now, if you're like me at all, this, this can be hard to do. Even for those of us who have been Christians for many years, we get busy, right? As a pastor, I'm busy all the time. I get phone calls, I meet with people, I'm making budgets, I'm preparing sermons. I'm, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that, dis- that distract me. And sometimes it's easy for me to get so distracted that I forget that the most important part of my life is living in the presence of Jesus. So I do my very best to get up in the morning and spend some time reading my Bible. I try to discipline myself to to spend some time in prayer every day. Chris and I, every night when we go to sleep, we pray together and we pray for many of you as we are drifting off to sleep together. And all day long, I try to just kind of have an ongoing conversation with the Lord. When I'm driving down the road, if something strikes me, I, I try to just talk with the Lord about it. And I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not some kind of a saint that just has this aura halo around him. Far from it. But I'm trying to live out this principle that a rich and satisfying life is lived in the presence of Jesus. Because if we just let stuff crowd him out, it's inevitable that we will just become scroogey people. Whether we wear the label Christian or not, if we're not living regularly in the presence of Jesus, we will just become scroogey. It's a fact of life. It just happens that uh, this week as I was reading in my devotions, 
Uh, I read a devotional every day from you version uh, on, my, on my iPhone, and many of you have that software on your iPhone. Great free Bible software. If you don't have it yet, you can, you can use it online. You can use it on your smartphone. And, and, and I read a devotional every day on you on version, and uh, they, just at Thanksgiving time, they released a whole bunch of new devotionals for the Christmas season. And so I've been reading a devotional every day that, uh, that is inspired by a Christmas carol. And one day this week... Uh, the devotional used the Christmas carol, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, for the devotional. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. That's, that's not even a Christian Christmas carol, you know? That's like a Broadway show tune, right? And, uh, and they had some stuff to, to read about in that little devotional, but it kind of piqued my interest. I'm curious about where that song came from. Uh, do you know that Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was originally a very Scroogey Christmas carol? Let me tell you the story. It was written for, a, for a, a, a movie in 1944 starring Judy Garland called Meet Me in St. Louis. Many of you have probably seen that old movie. Uh, great old movie. And uh, the story of that movie is about a family who is being relocated to New York. The dad is being uh, given a promotion. He's packing up the family. They're moving to New York. And everybody is mad. Nobody wants to go to New York. They, they just want none of it. And, and so the script called for Judy Garland to sing a song to her little sister uh, that was to be called Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. It was meant to be kind of sarcastic and, and reminding her this is probably the last good Christmas any of us are going to enjoy. And the songwriters were so good at, reading, at writing a grouchy tune that when the, the cast of characters, when the, when the Hollywood cast got the song, they said, we can't use this. It's too dark. It's too depressing. We just can't use it. And as it happens, I was able to find uh, somebody singing the original lyrics to Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. All right? Listen to this. I think you'll be surprised. We'll be here to 
Can you imagine if they had never changed the lyrics to that song? It probably would have just gone into obscurity. Now, here's what's interesting. The songwriter, the lyricist, was a Christian man. And uh, when Judy Garland came to him and some of the other cast members came and said, we can't, we can't use this song, it's too depressing, he changed the lyrics to what's, what's uh, common to us today. And then later in, in the 70s and 80s, he wrote Christian lyrics to that song. Lots of Christian artists have recorded new versions of this with his alternate Christian lyrics, like, like if the Lord allows instead of the fates allow, and those kinds of things. And, and, and what's interesting to me is that uh, you can choose... To be Scroogey or you can choose to live joyfully. It's really up to you. Do you want a, a rich and satisfying, abundant life? You can choose that by living in the presence of Jesus or you can choose to be depressed and, and mopey and Scroogey and unhappy for the rest of your life. But it's up to you. Do you know it's not even about your circumstances It's not about who likes you and who doesn't like you or who's been mean to you or what injustices you've suffered or whether you have money or you don't or if you can keep up with your bills. It doesn't matter. You can choose to live a life that is rich and satisfying by simply living regularly in the presence of Jesus. So uh, let me wrap up this morning by asking this question. How do you choose not to Scrooge. How do you choose not to Scrooge? Three suggestions for you this morning that I hope you'll put into practice in your life. Number one is this. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a merry, and and notice I spelled merry, M-A-R-Y. Instead of being the Martha kind of person that just runs to and fro, worried about all the stuff and worried about what you've got to do and worried about the shopping and worried about the cooking, make sure that this Christmas season, in the midst of all the busyness, that Jesus is the centerpiece of your life. All of the rest of the stuff will take care of itself. And of course, we all have responsibilities. Of course we do. But it's amazing to me that when I welcome Jesus into my busy day, he makes room for all the rest of it. He really does. And so choose to be like Mary instead of Martha. Number two, I want to encourage you to be a giver instead of a hoarder. Be a giver instead of a hoarder. I think I shared this with you uh, one time before, not long ago. Statistically, do you know the, the, the group of people that gives the least amount of money to charities are the people that earn the most money in the world? The richest people are the stingiest people. And for some reason, the more we have, the less we are willing to give away. And so if you're one of those people that has been saying, you know, uh, Pastor Russ, I'd love to tithe. I would love to give 10% of my income, but I don't have enough. And so when I reach this threshold, that's when I'll start tithing. I want you to know if that's one of your, your arguments with why you're not tithing, you probably won't tithe when you get to that threshold. Statistically, the more you have, the less you give. Uh, if, if you're one of those people that's been saying, you know, Pastor Russ, I got a lot of bills. I can't give to the building fund. I know there's probably other people that can give. Uh, probably you'll never give. If, if you don't choose to be a giver now, you will probably always be a hoarder. But if you want to live a rich and satisfying life, 
Stop hanging on to all your stuff and give instead of hoarding. And then number three, I want to encourage you to welcome the assault of truth in your life. Welcome the assault of truth. In A Christmas Carol, uh, the ghost of Christmas present came to Scrooge and he exposed him to all the truth of who he was. He went from scene to scene to scene showing Scrooge what people really thought about him and I can't imagine how difficult that must have been for Scrooge to see because Scrooge thought he was a good guy, right? And uh, sometimes in our lives we are assaulted with truth and sometimes instead of listening to truth, we get defensive and angry at the person who brings the truth. Kind of like this version of A Christmas Carol from Bill Murray. Look at this Christmas present. Frank, I'm the ghost of Christmas present. I had a funny feeling. Why did you do that? Sometimes you have to slap them in the face just to get their attention. Fine. Slap me in the face. But you kicked me. It's time to begin the journey. Now, close your eyes and think. No. You close your eyes. Oh, no. I'm through with you. Close them. Close your eyes. And think of snowflakes and moonbeams and whiskers on kids. No picking. Of rainbows, forget-me-nots. Of misty meadows and sun-dappled pools. Oh, look, there's Mr. Hedgehog. I wonder where he's going. Perhaps to Harlem! Oh, sometimes the truth is painful, Frank, uh-huh. but it's made your cheeks all rosy and your eyes bright as stars. It's sometimes the truth is painful. Sometimes the truth is painful. But what do we do when we are assaulted with truth? When somebody comes to us and says, Pastor Russ, this is what I perceive in you. What do I naturally do? I put up all my defenses, right? And, and typically, so many people, when they're assaulted with truth, they turn it on and start accusing everybody else around them. But instead of being like that, if we really want to master this idea of living the rich and satisfying life, we've got to let truth refine us. And when we look in the mirror and realize we're not as cool and good and charitable and wonderful as we think we are, if we welcome the truth of who we are and let Jesus change us, that's when the richness and satisfying of the abundant life is going to come into our lives. So I want to invite you this morning. Have a merry little Christmas, M-A-R-Y. Be a giver instead of a hoarder. And welcome the truth that Jesus brings to you, whatever the messenger. And I believe that we can be transformed, not just this Christmas, but all year long, if we live constantly in the presence of Jesus. Well, let's stand together, shall we, this morning? Uh, Victoria is going to lead us in a great song this morning.
And uh, just before we worship and giving today, I want us to sing and uh, join together. And, uh, and then we'll pray in just a moment.